This is LBC from Global, leading Britain's conversation. The best of Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. I hope your weekend has started well. I'm with you for the next couple of hours to ease you gently into your Saturday morning. In an hour's time, I'll be in conversation and I'll be telling you who I'll be talking to this week a little bit later on. Before that, I'll give you a chance to catch up on some of the best bits from the 4am spike this week. What do you mean you missed some of the programme? I expect a note from your parents or your doctor at the very least. So over the next hour, the best of Steve Allen. You'll hear what grabbed my attention over the past week from the massive stories we've all been reading and talking about to the barely Z-listers that we have to Google just to remember who they even are. Don't bother please texting, tweeting or emailing me about what you're having for breakfast, because I don't care, or what your favourite biscuit is. I couldn't care less at the best of times anyway. I'm Steve Allen and I'm with you until 7 o'clock this Saturday morning. So sit back, open your ears and enjoy the conversation. People still enjoy if you're older sex. Somebody said... Somebody... What? Somebody said to me once, they said, how, how often in the, in, in the course of a year are you supposed to have sex? And I said, the course of a year? I don't know. I said, well, what, 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 what sort of average? And they went, oh, sort of twice or three times a week. I said, two or three times a week? Nobody has sex two or three times a week unless you're, you're some secret pervert. That's not normal at all, is it? Why would you want to do that? And also, if you don't have a partner, where do you get these people from? Well, you get them by going onto an app, apparently, on your phone, and you're either tindering or grindering or doing any one of a number of strange things. And they're perfect strange... I mean, I said, two or three times a week. I said, listen, two or three times a year would be pushing it. Good Lord, what a waste of time. Oh, it's horrible. Horrible, 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 horrible. I would rather have a little, a little tiny sausage. I don't know why I said that. Actually, it doesn't even fit in with having sex, does it? But uh, it's a lot of effort, isn't it? It's a lot. You don't need to do it. It's like finishing a jigsaw. You sit there and you think, I've got one piece left. Where in God's name does it go? It's a bit like that. And it's, it's cold. Exactly. You don't want to take your clothes off. I mean, the idea of actually getting to bed and somebody says, will you be taking your jeans off? I don't think so. No. And then all of a sudden you're in bed with something and that hand wanders over. You can cut that out straight away. Don't like that kind of thing at all. Then they go, go on, take your Winsiet nighty off. And I'm going, I'm not. You ain't cold hands. But the worst thing is, if you're sleeping with somebody in a bed, and I'm no expert on this at all, I'm doing it now from memory, you know, you wake up halfway through the night to discover that the duvet has vanished completely onto the other person. And so you go, you nudge them, don't you? You nudge them. And, and, and all of a sudden they grudgingly give it back and then they roll and it goes again. In the end, I had to get up and get dressed and put, put my dressing gown on. I've slept in a dressing gown before now. Seriously, it's, I mean, it's such a passion killer. It's cruelty. It's mental cruelty. It's not right. But to say that people are having sex twice and three times a week. Who? Who? Probably up in Scotland they might be doing it, but that's only, if, you know, for the sake of a bit of warmth, isn't it, really? But down south... Not like, and they go, oh, when, when you're young, it's like when you're married, you get married and it's like rabbits. Seriously, it's like rabbits. And then after about a month, it's a case of, oh, God, who can be bothered? Seriously, people don't care. And then you settle down to having a nice life. That's how it works. But uh, I'm, it still goes back to that sort of old people having sex. They've now started giving old people condoms. Well, you're asking for trouble. You're asking for trouble. I'm afraid that's encouraging them to have sexual things. 
you know, and, and also they've started giving people Viagra. So now, if you can't even manage it, they give you a condom, which you couldn't actually fill properly anyway, and now they give you Viagra to help you. For, I mean, seriously. Are they doing this free? Free. <laughs> They're being sick next door. <laughs> it's hor- I mean, seriously, don't give people stuff like that. It's not good. It's not nice. I mean, and then it's awful, isn't it, when you, when people say, oh, of course, people your parents' age are still having sex. You go, stop it! No, they're not. They're really not, I promise you. <laughs> I recall the great Victoria Woodsteve, who said she'd rather have a coffee and an Ovaltine. Harold, dear, do get dressed. I've seen one in a book, and I was not impressed. <laughs> it's true. See, we've struck a chord with the how many times a week is normal. Apparently. Two or three times a week, says Jim. Are you sure they're not talking about pleasant dreams or a full English? I mean, it's ridiculous. Have you ever heard anything like it? And they're encouraging it. They're encouraging it by giving people condoms and Viagra and stuff like that. Goodness sake, honestly. A colleague of mine uh, told me she and her hubby do it all the time since the kids have left home. They're lying. They never. People always say they go, oh, yeah, you, know, you still. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, they, no, they're not. Nobody is. And apparently, uh, Steve, I'm told if you want to spice up your sex life, do it in the car. Well, that's ridiculous. Mine's an automatic. It would never work in the car at all. Terrible. Uh, Steve, Viagra, giving it to men in old people's homes now, stops them rolling out of the bed in the. Oh, goodness sake. Uh, three times a week, says Lee. It's been more than a while for me. I know. Where do people get that from? Even the people next door, and they're, they're, they're under the age of 30-ish. They're, they're, they're sort of slightly disturbed by this as well. But uh, could you pass my details on to a lady spiker that fancies some shenanigans? Oh, nobody fancies shenanigans. Honestly, went, shenanigans went out, you know, with, um, with sort of loads of other things. Yes, only if the, the lady spiker is a police officer. <laughs> Amazing. What was that? What was that dreadful joke that came out a short while ago? Somebody said, "Oh, I've been talking to this girl online. She's she's fifteen. And now she tells me she's an undercover police officer. How clever is that?" <laughs> Steve, I'm thirty-six, says Travis, and I haven't for a while. Well, you wouldn't. I've seen your picture. I'm like, come on, let's not be silly about this. It's based on looks. If you don't have looks, and there's probably quite a few of you out there that don't, you know, then uh, you're not going to be getting anything for ages. You know, you, you 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 could stand in a in a bar all night clutching a bottle of Prosecco and it's going nowhere. You know, three times a week for me, Steve, but apparently only once a week for the wife. It's an oldie, but it's a goodie. And uh, Steve, you would think that uh, the age of the population is growing. The government will put more money into dementia and other age related problems. But guess what? They won't. I know. They'd rather hand out free condoms and free Viagra as opposed to putting money into Viagra. Uh, money into Viagra. As opposed to putting money into, into dementia. But, uh, Steve, I had great sex at 50. The only thing is, I live at number 37. That's an old Bob Monkhouse joke. That's an old Bob Monkhouse joke. And, uh, Steve, sex can be nice, but if you go off it, you've got problems. It's like changing from orange juice to grapefruit juice. I don't, yeah, we weren't sure if there was a punchline on that one. <laughs> I don't know. know. Seriously, I've got no idea. Steve, I think a kiss and a cuddle are nice. Yes. Yes, I mean, cuddling's quite nice, isn't it? A a hug's quite good. You know, which is all right. And uh, sex at 70 can be very unsafe, Steve, especially if you don't keep both hands on the wheel. Exit stage left, thank you. Dennis, when I was in my 20s and living in London, it was two or three times daily. 
Lord above. <laughs> Daily. Lord. I mean, that, that's, that's provoked raised eyebrows next door. And they're the sort of people who probably got the energy for two or three times daily. But frankly, who can be bothered? Seriously, I'd rather make toast. Not not instead of, you know, or during or anything like that. You could try doing it to a metronome, I was told. <laughs> then apparently not. Back in the day. No, what? Sorry. Toast is in it. I know. <laughs> Bizarre, isn't it? Honestly, the things people worry about. Steve, back in the day, were you a cuddler or a cuddly? A cuddler or a cuddly? Oh, I don't know. I don't know, actually. Probably neither. Probably neither. I mean, I, I appreciate the fact it's, it's a lot better to do that now. It's a bit, it's a bit show-busy to do sort of cuddles and sort of kisses. So, was I a cuddler? I don't know. I might have been. I might have been. I wouldn't like to swear to it. Wouldn't like to swear to it at all. Uh, Steve, did you do it a lot when you were young and virile? I'm not prepared to discuss things like that. You'll have to discuss things with my psychiatrist and doctor. Uh, Steve, I'm 60 this year and my gorgeous wife of 34 is keeping me as fit as a fiddle. Whoever said you should never tinker with an engine when it's running well, says Patrick. Oh, we're all at it this morning, aren't we? Uh, Steve, I moved to Paisley ten years ago, so I've not had sex for ten years. In Paisley, we don't know about that. The gene pool is sort of atrophied here, and I don't fancy short, round people who all look the same. In pa- Can you say that about people in Paisley? I fancy going to Paisley. That's <laughs> the truth. I fancy going to Paisley, I really do. The best of Steve Allen on LBC. A champion angler's been stripped of his prestigious title after being caught... Cheating. How do you cheat? Martin Booth was awarded the top prize at the Paul Rogerman European Open Beach Championships. He scooped £4,000, new fishing rods, and was cheered by fellow competitors. But they discovered, the organisers, that he broke the rules by landing one half of his prize-winning catch outside competition hours. They've now disqualified him. There was more than a 1,000... They're very obsessed anglers. Very, Neil will tell you, and my brother... That, that's what he did. No, 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 no. He sneakily fished out of competition time and landed a thornback ray. So that, that was enough to disqualify him. Not good. I was watching... A... No, you're not allowed... No, no, no. No, you're not allowed to use loads of things, actually. This, this gave him a 5.905 aggregate winning score. But then uh, one of the other competitors, Matthew Hope, says to find out the winner was a cheat was absolutely sickening. Oh, they're very passionate. They're a bit upset over this one. He had the gall to stand on stage in front of all the other anglers and accept his trophy, rods and prize money whilst we cheered. Fishing fan Ryan Mullins says, hope he gets a lifetime ban from competition filling. Fitting, fishing. They don't like it, do they? My brothers, um, I'd have no idea. I have no interest in fishing whatsoever. Neil, you know, Neil, he, he, he goes fishing as well. I know quite a few people who go fishing. Me, straight over my head. Straight over my head. It just doesn't... I just... It's so boring. It's so boring. Nobody can ever persuade me that it's not, but my brothers like doing it for I think it must be, you know, you, you go there to contemplate, you know, whatever, the water and the fish, and you just sort of sit there going, oh, perhaps I'll catch something. Oh, God. Oh, I've caught something. Oh, how exciting. Let's put it back in again and wait till somebody coming along the towpath notices me. Oh, 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 oh! What, and uh, I used to do it years and years ago, and you'd fish, and all of a sudden, this, this was a battle between me and the fish, and you took it out... It was a little seven-inch-long dace. 
Hardly worth bothering with. You can hardly feed people with the blooming things. Absolutely ridiculous. This is LBC. Here, Steve Allen live. Every Sunday morning from five and Monday to Friday morning from four. The Millionaire TV Thriller. Want to play a game with me? Here we go. For a hundred quid, what name is given to the part of the day when light first appears in the sky before the sun rises? Is it Emma, Gwen, Tara, Dawn? I know, I know. I got it too. It's Emma. Uh, £200 is OK. Should we jump up a little bit? Let's jump up to £500. 500 quid. In Indian restaurants, which of these curry dishes is traditionally the most mildly spiced? Madras, Jalfrezi, Korma, Vindaloo. Korma. It's got to be easy, hasn't it? But Bear Grylls was on with Omed Jalili. They were raising money for charity. They only got £1,000 because they asked the audience about something, how much a first-class stamp was, and it was 60p. And they decided they didn't want to take the audience's word for it, so they went 50p and lost. Bad. Uh, How about um, for £2,000? This is how easy the questions have got. Which creatures make a substance called royal jelly? Bats, whales, frogs or bees? That's for £2,000. I mean, what are these written by a three-year-old or something? And then you go particularly mad. £4,000. Prince William studied for his A-levels at which school? Gordonston, Winchester, Harrow, Eton. Eton. Gordonston, uh, his dad went to. 2018 was the bicentenary of the birth of which author? Virginia Woolf, Emily Bronte, Agatha Christie or Barbara Cartland? Emily Bronte. I mean, he's a teacher. He should know this sort of stuff. Here we go. Which of these film characters played by Harrison Ford was the first to debut on screen? Han Solo, Indiana Jones, Rick Deckard or Jack Ryan? Who do you think it is? It's Han Solo, yes. Han Solo is the correct answer. Okay, which biblical figure... This is for £32,000. Same pancake, no. Which biblical figure is said to have lived for 969 years? Was it Caleb, Potiphar, Nimrod or Methuselah? Come on! Come on! (laughs) They've taken the money by that time. The biblical figure, Methuselah, Nimrod, Caleb or Potiphar? Okay, the 50-50 has left you with Caleb or Methuselah. Okay. It was down to those two already. Which which one are you going to go? You can go Methuselah. You've just won £32,000. Yeah! (laughs) All right, here we go. You you won't know this one. You won't know this one. But it's but you but you, you could but now you've already used up your fifty fifties. So you might have to ask the audience. The diplomat Ferdinand de Lesseps was a key figure in the construction of what? Saint Gothard Pass, the Eiffel Tower, the Brandenburg Gate, or the Suez Canal. Okay. What would you like to do for that? Would you like to phone a friend as well if you don't know the answer? The, the, can you ask the audience? You can ask the audience. Wait a minute. He's asking you. Which one is it? Yes, please, please do not text in. They've actually given, and it's quite close on this one, quite close, uh, Suez Canal at 40%, 39% the Brandenburg Gate. Which one are you going to go for? You've only got, have you noticed on this, on this show, you've only got so many seconds to answer. You've got 15 seconds on this question because they've now they've obviously decided to change the rules a little bit. So it saves you faffing around sitting there listening for coughs. 
I suppose. So come on. So come on. Come on. The answer. Otherwise, you're going to do 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 do. The Suez Canal. You've just won £250,000. Right. This is I didn't think we'd actually get to this this early on in the, in the programme. For £500,000. Which of these geological periods occurred most recently? Triassic, Devonian, Permian or Cretaceous? Which of these geological periods occurred most recently? Cretaceous, Permian, Devonian or Triassic? OK. You should know this one because... Sorry? One more time. OK. Which of these geological periods occurred most recently? Triassic, Devonian, Permian or Cretaceous? No, you can't crash out. No, you can answer for fact. You've just crashed out. You've just lost. You're back down to a pound. And uh, the answer was Cretaceous. Cretaceous. He knew that immediately. He, the moment it came up, he went Cretaceous. And I thought you were actually clever. But he didn't go for which... You won't know this one either, but I'll try it on you because you might know. Which of these UK prime ministers never served as foreign secretary? Winston Churchill, Anthony Eden, Alec Douglas Hume or Harold Macmillan? Which of those UK Prime Ministers never served as Foreign Secretary? Winston Churchill, Anthony Eden, Alec Douglas Hume or Harold Macmillan? Now, he chose not to answer, but I knew that answer. Can you phone... Oh. OK, you can pho phone a friend. Ready? Ring. Who, who, who are you calling? No, he isn't available. Uh, there's somebody else. The sort of presenter Steve is available. Yeah, the line's engaged. Hello? Oh, hi, is that Steve? It's Steve. OK, um, Scottish boy's with us. He's stuck on which of these UK Prime Ministers never served as Foreign Secretary? Winston Churchill, Anthony Eden, Alec Douglas Hume or Harold Macmillan? I don't know, I'm sorry. Thank you for... Sorry, bye. So, so, would you like to come up with an answer? You've got ten seconds now to come up with an answer. Which one's it going to be? Oh, for goodness sake, honestly... Winston Churchill, Anthony Eden, Alec Douglas Hume, Harold Macmillan. Which of those never served as Foreign Secretary? Going to go with Alec Douglas Hume? Well, that's you out again, isn't it? No, the answer is Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill. I knew that immediately, and I don't know how I knew it. It was one of those stupid things. So you go home with nothing, and I go home with million pounds, million pounds. And you know, the more I think about £500,000, the more I keep thinking, it's probably great if you live up north... You know, where you can probably still buy a house for £500,000. Nothing down here. I mean, very few and far between. Round our way, flats. Flats. You know, go for six, £700,000. You know, you go to Liverpool and Lincolnshire and places like that. You could probably buy a flat for, you know, under £100,000. I'm always amazed when you see these places that come up at auction and then they do them up. And which is the fa my favourite bit. My favourite bit is when they do these places. And you look at it and you go, I mean, one of them they did in about six weeks. And they, they turned it into multiple occupancy house as opposed to just sort of being able to live in it. And it was fantastic. I'm always impressed. And the budget, 100000 and it came in at £100,000. But they bought the place for something like 60000 So it's, uh, it's an absolute bargain. But £500,000... I mean, put it this way, if he's got his own house already, then 500000 is nice. Stick it in the bank. You can live very nicely on that, you know, dipping in every soft room for a holiday or something. But uh, but when you think about it, five hundred thousand. It's like years ago they said oh, a million pounds on the on the on the lottery or on the pools or something like that. And I used to think, 
You know, I remember when we got our first million pound house in, in Twickenham. Now we've superseded that many times over, many times over. Um, the teacher can't, you couldn't retire on 500,000. I wouldn't have thought so. That's how long you're, gonna, you're planning on living, though, isn't it, really? This is the best of Steve Allen on LBC. Have you ever been to see the Tracy Emin show in Bermondsey, says Jack? What for? I could just chuck a few clothes onto my bed and I've got roughly the same thing. Charge people admission. No, I'm not a fan. I don't under- See, I don't understand what art is. Art, to me, is the National Portrait Gallery and the National Gallery. We've got pictures of things that look like things. Not this cubism rubbish, or here's an unmade bed, or here's a cow filled with hemal- formaldehyde which secretly you hope is going to be Tracy Emin. You know, and these people, they make a fortune. They make a fortune. And I look at it and I go, it's an unmade bed. I mean, here, I could be an art installation in this studio. They could just call it Steve Studio. And you could have papers all over the place. And I could sort of chuck some coffee around. They wouldn't appreciate it, but I could try. And all of a sudden, I'm an art installation. Nobody's going to pay for it. Well, somebody might. The best of Steve Allen on LBC. Sarah Cox has been lured to ITV. Sarah? Yeah? Got 20 quid. You want to do a show? Here she comes. It's going to be fronting her own entertainment show. Well, obviously, somebody's made the biggest mistake of their damn career. Why on earth would you think people would want to watch Sarah Cox? Really? I mean, I can't think of anything worse. Apparently, it's going to have groups on and, and book interviews and stuff like that. I mean, it sounds like the kiss of death. She says it's going to be air on Saturday and Sunday mornings. Fellow... DJ Zoe Ball also used to host a weekend show for the channel. But uh, so she says, what a year. This is what Sarah Cox writes. How many dream jobs can one woman get? Well, one, I thought. Radio 2, the book, TV matchmaker and time traveller. And now this. All I need is a crisp taster and a cowgirl and my life's complete. Can't wait to bring fun and music to your weekends. I can't wait for you not to be on the show. Seriously, I mean, it's. I mean, she has hosted the Great Pottery Throwdown and Love in the Countryside, so she's been a major contender. That's guaranteed to pull an audience, isn't it? Nope, absolutely not. Any old rubbish on the television. How can we fill up something? And she says, I can't wait to keep people company on a weekend morning as they mooch about in their pyjamas, making crumpets and sorting the kids out. Where are you from, dear? Where are you from? Mooching around in their pyjamas, making crumpets. Making crumpets. She says, I'll bring them funny, relaxed chat with their favourite stars and no doubt there'll be some daft capers along the way. Oh, I can barely hold my sides in, ladies and gentlemen. What a pile of poo. Sounds rubbish, doesn't it? Some daft capers along the way. Never been known for being hilarious, I'm afraid. But uh, there she is. And so at the end of the day, they couldn't find anybody and Pip Schofield said he didn't want to do anything else. And, uh, and, uh, and, and Zoe Ball was fed up with doing her programme, so let's find Sarah Cox. They go, oh, that'll be nice. So she's going to bring you your favourite celebrities. I can't wait to tell you who they are. I wonder if Sarah will discover the next Spice Girls or One Direction amongst the crumpets and daft capons, says uh, Ian. I know. I mean, I can't think of anything worse. That's how, that's how bad television's got at the moment. I can't, I'd rather see Richard Maidley sitting there. Seriously. Uh, Steve Reese, Sarah Cox, says Mark in Hastings. Oh, God's waiting room. I don't get her humour or broadcast style. Well, she's been around for ages. She's been around for ages. I don't, I, you know, does she do the drive time show? You know, I wouldn't know these things. She just started it. The trouble is because, you know, some people, and also it's not, it's not very difficult. Can't be that difficult, can it, really? Some of us, Steve, remember Sarah Cox from her broadcasting days as a foul-mouthed ladette. 
Uh, now we're all middle class and nicey nicey. Not for me. Oh no, because because people would be in their in their pajamas and having crumpets. Make it, making crumpets. Making who makes crumpets? The press release from uh, from Sarah sounds rather patronising. The only thing missing was the phrase and lashings of ginger beer. <laughs> it was it was people going around in their gym jams or they getting crumpets. You think she was that foul mouthed ladette, wasn't she, Sarah Cox from years ago? And now all of a sudden she's middle aged with children, I suspect. And uh, Jan in Lincolnshire on said it says on my Google that Sarah Cox at forty four is a model stroke presenter. <laughs> okay, let's try both of those, shall we? Let's try both. But she used to be the foul mouthed ladette when it was supposedly popular culture. I didn't quite get it myself, but there you go. Dave the trucker says Sarah Cox would never drown. She could talk underwater. It sounds like a northern expression. Ooh, I'll go to the foot of our stairs. She could talk underwater. It does sound like that, doesn't it? Leading Britain's conversation. The best of Steve Allen on LBC. Leading Britain's conversation. The best of Steve Allen on LBC. Uh, Danny Boyle quit as the director of the new Bond movie because the producers wouldn't let him kill off 007. I think that'd be quite a good idea to kill off 007. That'd be a turn up for the books, wouldn't it? And then it's sort of like the Doctor Who, when they go, there's a new Doctor, and it goes, zoom, 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 and it blends into the into the new one. Yeah, that's it. Made by who? Who was that tune made by? The BBC's... I mean, everybody used to know what it was. No idea, no. The Radiophonic Orchestra or something like that. But uh, we used to sit there and watch it. People used to say, oh, I used to hide behind the settee. Rubbish. What rubbish? Who use I behind the settee? Only stupid people. I thought the Cybermen were very scary. Snowflakes. Did I hear you say you were scared by the Cybermen? Cybermen. No, I wasn't. I used to laugh at people who, who were. Dish. People who say, oh, it's so, it's so scary, Doctor Who, when the Daleks of it. No, it wasn't. It was only for sad snowflakes. Uh, did I hear you write, read the Cybermen? I attempted to make humour, but failed, says Bish. Yeah, no, go back under the duvet and stay there. Uh, little Dave says Tom da- Baker playing Doctor Who used to scare me as a kid it was those eyes I was fine with the alien monsters they weren't real they weren't real they were just people who worked for the BBC standing under a piece of netting with a piece of seaweed in front of them that was the Cybermen and then there were the, I thought the Daleks were still the best things still the best thing. they weren't frightening though unless they annihilated you exterminate exterminate and then they should get really excited and then blow a fuse that was the most exciting bit, actually. <laughs> they blew fuses. I love stuff like that. I was all in favour of that. But uh, I haven't seen Doctor Who for years. I don't, uh, you know... I used to like Crystal Maze. Crystal Maze was really good. I thought it was one of those sort of fun programmes on the television. And what was the other one? Crystal Maze... Is that the one where you have to do various tasks and then you go in the end, or is that something different? Crystal Maze with Daleks. Ooh, I like the sound of that. I used to get confused when they'd do all this, you know, they'd start the fans and then they'd try and grab all these gold ones and all that. I thought that was quite good. I couldn't do anything where they locked you in a room and go, OK, you've got four keys in front of you. What are you going to... Oh, none of that. Oh, no, 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 no. I can't do anything like that. I would be totally useless. I don't know what I'd be good at on any of these shows, but that wouldn't be... Uh, that actually wouldn't be one of them. Trying to solve a puzzle. I'm, I'm rubbish at those sort of things. I can't do it. OK, so you, you put one in here, then that turns, and then that... And you've got to put this jigs... Oh, no. No, thank you very much indeed. No, thank you very much indeed. Do you remember the game show called Treasure Hunt, where Annika Rice and her bum flew around the country solving cues? Oh, I couldn't... Where is it? Where is it? Oh, I'm so sorry. I couldn't help you on that one. Was it Kenneth Kendall? 
who did it, the, the newsreader, he did Treasure Hunt. I quite liked it, actually. But it, it, it sort of made Annika Rice's bum famous. <laughs> As that's all the cameraman seemed to be feeling. Come on, quickly. She'd be in a helicopter flying around. Yeah, America Rice, America Rice. Woo, 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 quick. It was great. This is the best of Steve Allen on LBC. The Global Awards celebrating the best in music, news and entertainment have taken place at London's Eventim Apollo. Little Mix and Mark Ronson have been the big winners, each winning two. And the LBC Award has gone to early breakfast presenter Steve Allen. You have to get used to hearing yourself on the news. It's very bizarre. It's like hearing yourself described as a third party. But I came back. I'm covered in bruises. There's more hugging and kissing that goes on at award ceremony. Just from my lot, just from Nick Ferrari, Sheila Fogarty and uh, Eddie Mayer and my boss, James and Tom. It was uh, I'll tell you how it came about, actually, because it's it's down to you. You you're the people that sort of go for these things and you're the people. And apparently it was unanimous that it was going to be me. I thought, because you're probably still surprised I'm actually living. I'm certainly surprised. But it was it was sort of, it was a complete surprise. But at the same time, I thought something was up. And I didn't, I didn't quite get what it was. Because people were telling me porky pies. And little, little sort of fibs. Thank you, Poppet. And uh, so that was last night. But you'll be delighted to know that I was in bed, well, for about two hours. And I didn't drink. One drink. Actually, that's a lie. It was two drinks. I've just remembered. I had a, had a glass of champagne when I got to the event in Apollo. So this started, um, well, ages ago. Ages ago, we were talking about uh, Little Mix and we were talking about, uh, you know, all the different people who are going to be appearing at the Global Awards. Held at the event in Apollo. It's a, it's a big thing. There's, I don't know how many tables there were of people eating. There's about sort of, I don't know, one, two, three, four, five, six, probably about nine, ten people on a table. And I got a phone call. This is how bizarre it is, because I get a phone call from uh, from somebody upstairs. Nobody on our floor, somebody from upstairs. And says, um, <laughs> he says, what would it take to get you to come to the Global Awards? Because everybody knows that I'm in bed by between four and six every day. Six would be considered a late a late day for me. So I like to go to bed early because I've got to get up early because I've got a show to do. That's what they That's what they actually pay me for, but surprisingly. And uh, so I said, I don't know, can we get you a hotel? I, th- I thought you were a little bit keen to actually get me to go to this this award ceremony because I know nothing about the music. I thought, oh, perhaps I'm perhaps I'm presenting an award. And then I thought, I don't think I could do that and have the courage of my conviction. You need to get the boys and girls from our uh, from our music stations. And so I said, okay, I'll go. So anyway, dusted off the the dinner jacket and all the rest of it, uh, and they sent me a car. Got a nice car, and uh, took me. And I got to the event of Apollo at four thirty. Which unfortunately was a bit early because the doors didn't open till five o'clock. So I'm standing there with my ticket, which said VIP on it. But I suddenly realised later on, everybody's ticket had VIP on it. Everybody's wristband had VIP on it. And there were loads of people. So I'm sort of standing and it started to rain and I didn't have a hat with me. And so I said to the bloke on the door, um, I I said, oh, where, where, where shall I go then? He said, you can go and stand under the flyover. So I thought, okay, right. And as I was getting wet, I went and stood over the road under the flyover. But by this time, it had started getting a bit cold. And I was, I was very, very, I was very, very cold. And, and I thought, I'm going to end up with a flu or something ghastly. And, and I'm watching people going backwards and forwards, and they had all these sort of kids who were going in. You know, when I say kids, probably 15, 16-year-olds. And there seemed to be loads of them, and I thought perhaps they're the waiting staff. And I thought, no, maybe, maybe they're actually too young. Anyway, so I then phoned our head of publicity, Chits, 
and uh, and said, I, I can't get in because they're not opening the doors till five and it's only 4.30. He said, no, they're, they're, they're very strict on that. So anyway, so that was that. And uh, so then I texted my, my boss's right-hand man, Tom, and, and I said, I can't get in till five. I'm here now. He said, well, don't worry, I'm only five minutes away. Uh, we'll, we'll go and grab a drink in a pub. So dutifully he turned up and he went round the corner with me and I had a little tiny bottle of Prosecco and he had a, a beer, which was very nice. And so we were chatting. I said, this is very odd, this. I said, why they said they didn't invite me last year? Why would I be why would I be going to this? Um, because I'm normally in bed so early because I have to be because otherwise you've got to have your wits about you on this program. You can't just sort of sit there and, and allow it to sort of flow forth. You've got to, there's got to be some structure to it. And um, and so he said, I don't know. And so I wanted to say to him, is our boss getting an award? Because that's what I'd been told. So, of course, I was lulled into this false sense of security that uh, and there must have been quite a few people in on it, except Muggins me. I was the only person who didn't know. You didn't know either. Did you not really? Because Nick Ferrari must have known about it because he was doing the. They obviously don't trust anybody around here to tell people things or to not tell them things. And and and, and then everybody seemed to know about it. Oh, this is on the after thing. And all the people who are employed backstage, there must have been about 100 people backstage, you know, because after you've done... Anyway, so anyway, so they, they do this thing and then they go through these awards, you know, best this, best that, best group. And then we had a couple of performances and I'm sitting there and I'm not drinking. I'm deliberately drinking water and I'd had my food. But the trouble is I'd not felt very well. And I'd gone to the toilet, which luckily was quite near us. And you know when you you know when you go somewhere and you think, oh, I don't feel right. I could tell I didn't feel right. My tummy was a bit a bit gurgly, gurgly. And and I really didn't feel a hundred percent. And I, I looked at the time, and it would have been the time that I would have actually been in bed. <laughs> always far more preferable, I always think. And I I sort of thought, oh, I'm, perhaps I'm going to be ill. And I didn't want to be ill because that's just really embarrassing, isn't it? So uh, I sort of, you know, you sort of fan yourself and all the rest of it. Anyway, that kind of passed. In the meantime, Tom came out and said, are you all right? And I said, I just don't, I don't feel very well. Unbeknownst to me, they'd then gone back to the to the uh, the stage crew and said, listen, can we bring it forward? Steve's bit. I didn't know this. Can we bring Steve's bit forward? Because he's he's not he's not very well. We're not sure if he's going to last. And they couldn't because my bit was a fairly big chunk, as you probably discovered. And so I'm sort of sitting there and we'd watched all these awards go through and I'm drinking my water and I'm chatting away to Nick Ferrari and chatting away to my boss, James, and chatting away to Sheila Fogarty. And then Eddie Mayer was there. And, and then all of a sudden Nick vanished. And I assumed he was off to do another interview about about the Global Awards. So I'm sort of sitting there and I've, I've eaten my food. I didn't have very much of my dessert because I was being quite good. And it was it was a special lolly. It was an ice cream lolly with all sorts of different things and there was light cheese and I mean it was all very sort of poshy and and the I thought it was chicken but it was guinea fowl so you couldn't have done it could you because you, you you've probably never eaten guinea fowl no exactly it's like eating ostrich for you it's just a bit smaller the best of Steve Allen on LBC so we're sort of sitting there and then they go and the next award is the and I, do you know I can't tell you because my mind blanked over from this moment onwards and they they might have said it's a, a special award or they might have said it's the LBC award for that's right it's for for news for news and something like that and I was thinking this is the this is going to be my boss of course I'm looking at people waiting to see they'd already said if if James comes back to the tape don't let him leave because the camera will be will be cutting away to him. So there's no point in just having an empty space at the table. So I'm sort of thinking, oh, it's all about him. And then on comes Nick Ferrari with Moira Stewart. 
and Nick's got a microphone and he's, he's got this award thing. And he starts talking and um, I kid you not, this introduction went on forever and it was a book. It was like the Gettysburg Address. It went on and on and on. And, and then he said this person for their services to radio, not just for, you know, a couple of years, five years, ten years. He said for 40 years. And it's when he said 40 years, I suddenly went ring, 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 ring. And my boss, James, looked at me and I went, oh, no, no. I started tearing up a little bit because they started talking about me, even though I was sitting at the table. And I've now got a cameraman there and I'm projected onto the big screen, which of which they had. God knows how many. It seems to be loads of them. It was beautifully put together. And so I, I, I thought, oh. And James went, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. He put his arms around me and I'm thinking, I could be fine, I could be fine. Then they started showing clips. All the clips of me over the years with old photos and things like that. And then they played a little bit of the clip of me talking about Dale that night when I broke down. And, uh, and I thought, oh no. And then everybody stood up. Everybody stood up. They went, you know, the service for 40 years in radio. I mean, it's a life set. You get less for, 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 for killing somebody nowadays. Uh, it goes to Steve Allen. And so it was that moment um, I, I sort of stood up and I walked to the front of the stage and I went to the step and Nick, thank you, no, don't do that. I, I teared up more times than I can tell you. It was just, it was, it's this overwhelming sense of, of lots of people going, really well done, Steve, couldn't happen to a nice person, blah, 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 blah. No matter what you think about me, you know, whether you like the programme, whether you don't like the programme. Should we, should we have the, and then, and then I, I did my speech and unfortunately it was a bit disjointed because I'm I'm not a speech maker I don't do after dinner speech or anything else so I was a bit lame I'm afraid but everybody said it sounded good everybody said it was okay but there again if they're smiling there must be some rubbish bits in it so I Nick gave me the microphone gave me the thing he then hugged me the start of many hugs many many hugs and and I came out with this Ladies and gentlemen, for one night only, he's up past his bedtime. He's stayed off the Prosecco, Moira. Please show your appreciation. And he had no idea this was happening tonight. Yes, show your appreciation for LBC's Mr. Steve Allen. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. There's a week's worth of programming in this room tonight. I've been looking round the tables. I've featured most people in here. Most people. I have to thank James Rear, Tom, thank you so much. Ofcom. Ofcom I thank on a daily basis. I've basically got a hotline to Ofcom. They love my show. They really do. I have to thank Ashley, who's just been such a big supporter. Thank you so much. I never thought... 40 years ago that I'd still be, still be working on the same station and still working. I think I'm living proof that some decrepit old tart like me can actually get an audience at four o'clock in the morning. It's, <laughs> it's a miracle. It's a miracle. I love every day. I love everything. Everything about it. And at the end of the month, they give you money. Please, God, it continues. Please, God, it can. I'm not supporting anybody, but I might after tonight. I love working with the people at LBC. They're so nice. I see so many friends in this room that, uh, you know, I see at work all the time. And I, I love every single one of you. Even you lot down here. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you so, so much for this. Thank you so much. You've no idea what this means. 
and I generally cry quite easily. So uh, I'm going to try not to tonight and just say thank you. I tell you, and, and I, I tear up quite a lot after that because they then take you off stage. I thought I'd go back to my seat. So we then go through the, the side bit and there's all these people and they take the award off you and they give you a, a proper one because it, it's a lot heavier, the proper one. And then you go into a room, which is all black curtains and everything else, and there's the photographers. And I had pictures taken holding my award and then with, with Nick and with Moira as well. And so we, had, we must have had loads of pictures in there. And then they take you out of there. You've actually got somebody who looks after you, which is really fantastic. And then we go into the next room, and there's Charlie Girling from our showbiz team, as you know. And she's interviewing me, and she's teared up, and I'm tearing up as well. And it just got... You can watch that one on the website, because it's because both of us are a little bit... Not weak in any way, shape, or form. I don't think it shows a weakness. But as you know, I've, I've cried on a... <laughs> Sometimes on a fairly regular basis on this programme, because I can't believe, you know, sometimes I'm doing something and sometimes you just get affected by it. It doesn't matter. I can go to a funeral and not cry. I can, you know, somebody can clap you and go, thank you very much indeed. You've done a really great job. My boss says he he really loves me and thinks everything's going great. And and that kind of affects you. It's a bit overwhelming. So Charlie's got got I thought she put glycerin in and uh, just to make it look as though she was crying. And then so. And and we and we talked about you know I don't know what we talked about I mean I must have been talking drivel by this time, and and it was lovely and we sort of did this interview and then I had to sort of sum up the globals in one word and of course the only word was fantastic, because it's so it's it's lovely to go to an award ceremony like that but it's even more lovely to be honoured by by people who who know you, and I suddenly realised last night I've got. A lot of friends in the business. I knew I had a lot of friends in the business before, but uh, loads of people in this building who came up to me and said, well done, Steve, couldn't be more thrilled. I mean, we're just really, you know, the people I wouldn't have thought would have either been listening to the programme or, or would have been, you know, bothered about, you know, 65-year-old, who, if, if, if ever I get to that age, you know, and that was what... It, and then we go into another room and there's more things going on. There's people doing radio programmes. And then I did a piece on Ian Dale's programme sitting on a couch with a pair of, pair of headphones on, holding my microphone. So we've been about 30 minutes after the actual ceremony, and I'm still sitting there. And then Ian starts tearing up as well. And he said, he said, don't, you're going to get me going. I said, well, don't. I said, because I can't believe it. People are so nice to me. And then eventually I got, you know, shown back to the table again. So I, um, I sort of put my arms around our big boss, Ashley, and said, thank you. And he said, it couldn't have happened to a nicer person. So I started crying again. <laughs> I just was, I was absolutely chronically crap, I'm afraid, last night at, at not crying. And then my boss, because this, this was about nine, uh, about 8.30. And my car was picking me up at nine. And uh, and so he, I said, I think the car's on the way. He said, I'll walk you out to the car. I said, no, you don't need to. He said, no, I'm walking you out to the car. And he put his arm around me. He said, well done. He said, well done. He said, it couldn't have happened to a, a better person. I said, well, you know, I'm just a radio presenter. I don't make any big claims. I don't have any delusions of grandeur. I don't, you know, sort of want to start appearing on television and doing silly things like that. I'm just quite happy to sit here at four o'clock in the morning and chat about all sorts of things. But the funny thing was, we're sitting at a table. We were at table 15. Directly opposite us, to the right-hand side, is Liam Payne, Kelly Brook, my big boss, Ashley... His other half, stunningly good looking, and uh, and a few other people, and then directly in front of my my table, there's Mark Wright and Michelle Keegan. It was getting worse; they were ganging up on me. Over a little bit to the right was Cheryl. 
I mean, it was seriously like they were all there. And Gemma, we didn't see Gemma Collins, actually. But totally, Ollie Murs was in there somewhere. And then we had Toby Tarrant on my toe behind me. Then Mr M was in. And it was just lovely. And then Emma Bunton came over and sort of put her arms around me and things like that. And it, it was just... I kind of went home feeling not elated, just very grateful. Just very, very grateful to, you know, to still be working after all this time. It's not an easy business. It's not an easy business. You know, you, you stand and fall on your audience figures. And those you don't, you don't know anything about. I can't persuade people to listen to my programme. I can't go out there. Even if you put me on a million billboards, it wouldn't make any difference. Because I can't say to somebody, you must listen to my programme. You choose to listen to my programme. Sometimes, you know, people write it and go, oh, I should never listen to you ever again. And I always go, well, I don't care. It doesn't make any difference to me. I can't control anything like that. I'm not going to burst into tears over that. But you, but you do think to yourself, you know, could life ever be, ever be nicer or ever better? And I kept saying to my boss, there was so much love in the room, in this huge place with thousands of people in it. There was so much that affected me. And people are so nice to me. They don't have to be nice to me. You know, there's no, you know, tr- traditionally radio presenters are a bit sort of big headed and they sort of do their own thing and ride roughshod. I just I'm grateful to be working. <laughs> believe you me. You know, I'm grateful that they look after me. They've been very nice to me throughout all my illnesses and stuff like that. And I do have a hotline to Ofcom, as you all know. But I, it's but it's a case of it was just overwhelming for me. Just over because I thought, can anything ever top this this feeling of euphoria? You know, because because I got this award and because my boss was there and, you know, he isn't he isn't like any other boss. I'm not going to blow smoke up his bum, as they say, but it's, it's, he, he's very complimentary. He's very nice. At the same time, you know, we're, we're a radio station. At the same time, we're looking for an audience. And at the same time, you know, LBC is such a diverse, you know, lot of presenters. And I, I've said, listen, I mean, I'm not I'm not I can't talk about Brexit. He said, yes, you can. He said, you've talked about Brexit, you've talked about the American elections, things like that. I said, yeah, but I can't do it on a regular basis. But we, all, we always come back to the same story. He always tells me a story of when he first met me and what he thought, because he'd listened. And of course, if you remember, I had a message when, when James came in. And, and he, went, he saw all the presenters and he said, oh, I've listened to you, Steve. He talks like that. I've listened to you, Steve. And, um, and he said, I think it'd be good if, if you took phone calls. Uh, and I said to him, because I'm not a phone-in presenter, I've done phone calls before, but I'm not, I'm not a, a phone-in presenter. I'm a standalone presenter. I could Give me a microphone. I'll sit down and chat for as long as the programme takes. But I, I can't really do, and, and do it with any, any courage of, uh, of my convictions, to actually do a phone-in programme. And he said, he said I realised that. He said, within 24 hours, we had reversed the decision. And, and it's gone from strength to strength ever since. But it, it is this overwhelming feeling that the audience that listen to me and that's that's all of you out there this morning and probably tomorrow morning and Sunday morning are very loyal very very loyal I've got I've made lots of friends of people who listen to the program you know we've had dinners and all sorts of things and you know we do the we do the Christmas shows but you will never ever understand how how grateful I am you know I I seriously (laughs) Pull yourself together, for God's sake, pathetic. You know, I seriously thank God every day. And I'm not a particularly religious person, but I do sort of say thank you for actually, you know... I just I, I said one thing, I think, to somebody. I said, I wish my parents were alive and I could go, look, I did get something. I did get something. You know, meant a lot to me. Meant a lot to me. And so thank you. Thank you, all of you. Thank you for being there 
every day. Thank you for, you know, some people write nice things, some people don't. But it doesn't doesn't really bother me. Really doesn't bother me. Uh, all I know is that we, we come in to do the programme and we do it. And I can only do it with, with the producer that they've, they've given me because he's the only one who'll work at that price. And, uh, and the assistant producer, and you know the trouble we've had there. I want to make a big deal about it. But uh, it's, it's a great way to sort of have a bit of fun for three hours first thing in the morning. If you want to partake... You can tell, tell your friends. If you don't like it and it's not for you, well, then fair enough. But, you know, you don't need to write and tell me that you're not going to be listening anymore. But after yesterday, uh, I just I just kind of sort of knocked myself sideways. I thought, I'm going to treat myself to something today. I'm going to have some Kentucky Fried Chicken. Sod it, I thought. Sod it. And some watermelon. I don't care. Because now I've got to phone all the people. And my ex-uncle Rob, he, he sent me. My friends, Danny and uh, Jordan and, and loads and loads of people who sort of write saying, oh, it couldn't have happened to a nicer person. And I think, you know, I might not be. I might not be that person you think I am, but I'm pleased that you think I am. Somebody says, you're waffling, and I love it. I do do good waffle. You won't find anybody who does better waffle than me. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Sunday from 5am.